We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Nation, what's going on? Welcome to the Irish Breakdown Podcast, the Monday edition here. If you usually tune in with if you usually tune in <laughs> to us on Monday, you know that we're usually doing a little bit of the recruiting hour conversation. But this week we had to throw a little bit of an audible because why? The spring football is starting this Wednesday, March 22nd. I know we're jazzed up about it. So in order to prepare you all. For a very busy week of content, a very busy week of conversation, very busy week of football returning, we had to do a little bit of a spring primer, which today's show will be covering some of the interesting offensive storylines for spring practice, again, starting on Wednesday for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I'm Ryan Roberts, Director of Recruiting here at Irish Breakdown. That is Brian Driscoll. The I mean, they got to know who you are, Ryan. I mean, you know I, what I mean? I like, like so. you're, you're, so. you're, You've been here over a year now. You're the man. They know who you are. They know who you and, are. And, of course, that man is actually the man, Mr. Brian Driscoll, <laughs> publisher here at the site. And, Brian, I know we're excited to get into some of the favorite offensive storylines here. But I think that a we can't start a show off that it's traditionally supposed to be a recruiting hour show yes. without a little yes. bit of recruiting talk. Because if you all weren't tapped in to the site, on the board, or on the Twitter space on Friday, you know St. Patrick's Day has now become a tradition for Notre Dame football. It's the pot of gold offer extravaganza where they had offered out, I think, almost close to 90 scholarship offers to the 2025 recruiting class. So for the people that are obsessed with the recruiting side of the business, we gave you a lot of content this weekend. Oh, we gave yeah. you a lot of content on Friday. There's going to be more- content throughout the week. It's going to be I got to tell Ryan to slow down on on this content because I'm like, bro, you've got like seven articles still in the pipeline <laughs> that I haven't even been able to publish yet. So I, I, I love it. Ryan, it, it's an exciting time, man. I love the pot of gold uh, situation. We actually have some real quick, too. I want to point out a couple other things. As well, there's some really exciting things going on in our community. Andrew Sakalowski says, I'm just popping in to say hi. My wife's water is broken and the contraceptives are coming on. Contractions, excuse me, are coming on stronger. Can't wait to listen when mama and baby are asleep. So this is going to be Andrew's first baby. He just got married. Not that within the last couple of years, if you remember. So congratulations, 
Andrew, uh, your life, I imagine, is about to be very, very different moving forward, as Ryan can attest to. And then Elizabeth Crook uh, said, Happy Monday, IB Nation, coming off a weekend where my oldest son got engaged. And here's the best, the second best part of that conversation. Elizabeth told him, already told them they can't get married during a Notre Dame game. That is what I love to hear. So a lot going on with our with our folks. I wanted to point those two things out. And then that leads right into some more exciting stuff, Ryan, is the pot of gold is so much fun. And they went yeah. big time this year. I mean, it's way more kids than, what was it, about 30 more than they got pot of golds last year, it's, 20, 30 more? Yeah, so last year it was in the year. 50s. This year it was close to 90. So there was 30-plus extra offers, which I think was a, a great thing, honestly, Brian, because yeah. you know we talk all the time about the – committable, committable, committable versus non-committable offers and that kind of conversation. But last year, people forget they didn't offer Justin Scott in last year's pot of gold. Like they missed out on a couple of guys in the 2024 cycle as far as giving them an offer when they deserved an offer. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think the staff did a tremendous job of finding a great board, putting it together, evaluating a lot of players, man, 2025 recruiting class early on, you know, just sophomores in high school, just finishing up your sophomore years. Looks like a very talented group. And I know one spot specifically, a position that we want to hit on because there were several signal callers in the 2025 class, the quarterback position that were offered on Friday. Brian, nationally, man, this quarterback class looks like it can ball, my friends. Like there's a lot of really talented signal callers now on the board for Notre Dame. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ryan, this from, from early impressions, this 2025 class overall is loaded at most positions. There's some I don't love so far, but that's just because I've only watched the Notre Dame kids. Like Receiver so far doesn't have me super fired up outside of a couple kids, which we'll get into. But, man, it is a loaded class. And the quarterback position is indicative of that. Look, I've only watched the kids that Notre Dame has offered. And if that's indicative of what this national class is going to look like, this is going to be a phenomenal quarterback class. And, you know, like, like I don't give a lot of five star out stars out grades out as sophomores, Ryan. I've given two out at quarterback this year. Bryce Underwood, who got a gold pot of gold off. Well, he got a pot of gold reoffer. And then George McIntyre, I believe, got a pot of gold reoffer as well. I believe George McIntyre had previously been offered by Tommy Reese. I, I don't. Uh, I don't think so. I think the only two quarterbacks that were offered previously before this was Ryan Montgomery and. Yeah. Well, actually, no. I'm sorry. Three. There was Antoine Hill, Ryan Montgomery, and then Bryce Underwood. I, I thought that McIntyre had 
if not, he's got one now. He's from Brentwood Academy in Tennessee, where Alex, obviously Alex Spars is from, uh, Alex Bullock is from, uh, who obviously also started it at Notre Dame as well. You look at him, right? You're like, oh, this big, tall, skinny kid, you know, he's going to be raw, you know, probably have like an Eric Ainge type of arm or a Justin Worley type of arm. And then you watch like his second or third throw, he just bombs it like 60 yards and hits a guy in stride. He got a five-star grade for me. And then there's two other guys that are borderline five stars, and they and they didn't make five star for for different reasons. But KJ Lacey from Alabama, the only thing that keeps him from being a five star right now, Ryan, is just he's not the biggest guy right, right. now. But a lot of the stuff you know, he does is just really outstanding. We'll dive more into him as well. And uh, uh, Deuce Knight was borderline five. He's just so raw mechanically right now. Yeah. And so he's another guy that got offered. Cutter Bowley. I mean, he, he I graded Cutter Bowley out as the fifth quarterback that got offered on on friday and if a kid like cutter bowley is your number five quarterback on a list that's a pretty impressive list ryan so yeah it's an it's a really really and i'm not a huge ryan montgomery fan he's good but he doesn't blow me away like the other guys do antoine hills elite talent raw but an elite talent ryan so it's a great great year quarterback which means why why does that matter it means the margin for error is going to be greater Yep. Meaning you can miss on a couple guys and still get a flipping darn good quarterback. You know, that's the reality of it. And so I think that's an important thing. It, it's kind of like the 2023 quarterback year. You can miss out on Dante and a couple other guys and still get Kenny Minchie. And you're like, this is a really good quarterback. And 24 is not quite as deep as 23 and 25. Top heavy, you know, Do- Donovan Rayola or Dylan Rayola has got elite talent. CJ Carr is a five-star it drops off a little bit after that. I still have to watch more of the Van Buren kid, but the 25 class is loaded. I want to start, Ryan, first of all, kind of work our way north to south a little yeah. bit on this one, right? Bryce Underwood's the first kid, obviously, that we'll talk about here. He's not only in conversation for the number one quarterback in the class uh, in 2025, but he's going to be in the conversation for the number one overall player in the class. This is one of, without question, the best quarterbacks in, in, in high school football last year, regardless of class. Yep. I mean, I, I said this when I watched him as a freshman, Ryan. I said, if that kid doesn't get a lick better over the next three years, he's still a top 100 quarterback. <laughs> Meaning if you took what he did as a true freshman and, proje- and, and pretended he was a senior, he's, the, he's got the talent of a top 100 quarterback compared to the seniors. And that's with three years of high school football left. And he comes out as a sophomore, Ryan, and, and he's even better, in my opinion. Well, and I, I think that the two best players that I've watched in 2025 so far are Bryce Underwood and David Sanders, the offensive tackle out of out of North Carolina. Like those two are, to me, players that, although natural maturation still needs to happen, right? Like they need to add weight to their frames and get stronger, like any sophomore would need to do. You could drop them in only almost any class, and you're like, yep, that's a five-star type of football player. You know, like you could just drop them in. Bryce Underwood. 6'3", 205 pounds. Brian, I don't know what they're doing in the state of Michigan, man, but you have Dante Moore, CJ Carr, and then Bryce Underwood in back-to-back-to-back years. I'll and I would argue that trio up against any group of number one quarterbacks in the country anywhere. Right. I mean, Dante was the number one quarterback in last year's class on my board. CJ right now is the number one quarterback on my board in 2024. And Bryce Younger Underwood is the and again I don't think Notre Dame they they have a shot with Underwood but I don't I don't I don't think they're going to get Bryce Underwood they're in the game but I I just I don't think he's going to go Notre Dame so this has nothing sure. to do with Notre Dame this is the best quarterback in the 2025 class 
in my well, opinion. And it didn't change anything for me as far as, and I know you too, like Dante Moore not ending up in Notre Dame, like that didn't change our opinion on him, right? He's a great player, man. He's a quarterback in the class. Yeah. Yeah. Legit five-star quarterback in, in the 2023 class. Bryce Underwood, no matter where he ends up, that kid is 6'3", 205, can throw the football as good as anyone in the last couple of years of recruiting side of things. He has legit arm talent too. You see him throw a touch to the intermediate deep portions of the field, throw to the sideline outside the numbers. That kid's legit. And then all of a sudden, and oh, by the way, Brian, if he wasn't able to run, he would be a top 25 player in the class, right? And then you had the fact that oh, he's yeah. a legit 4'6 athlete too. Like the kid can run. That's the difference right there. And that was that's what ultimately separates Bryce Underwood and CJ Carr from Dante. Dante throws the ball as well as any high school quarterback I've seen since Jimmy Clausen. I mean, his just God-given ability to sit in the pocket and spin it. It's like he was created by God to throw the football. I mean, I, I really believe that. He he yeah. is God is natural to feel as a thrower. Bryce Underwood and CJ Carr are very similar. I think Bryce is ahead of CJ in that regard. Dante's ahead of CJ in that regard. Uh, I think CJ's got a stronger arm than Dante. But the thing that separates Bryce and CJ from Dante and why I think their ceilings are higher is they're they're really good athletes. Yeah. And they can run. Dante's a good athlete for a pocket passer. He's not a runner. Bryce Underwood is a legit dual threat guy if he wanted to be. But yes. the thing I love about it is he's a pocket passer who just happens to also be really athletic. And that's the same thing with C.J. Carr. C.J. is a is a pocket passer that happens to be really athletic. And, yep. and I and I the, the quarterback, I, it's like the Joe Burrows and the Trevor Lawrences, right? In college, if Trevor Lawrence needed to, he could go run for 100 yards in the game. But you didn't need him to. He didn't have to do that. He was a pocket passer. And that's what I love about Bryce Underwood, Ryan, is – you know, you're, you're going to hear the dual threat term thrown around, and he is because he's athletic. Sure. But make no mistake, this is a kid that is an elite, elite pocket quarterback. Well, well you, you want to talk about what separates players for me? The fact that I could drop Bryce Underwood off into the Chip Kelly Oregon offense, and he would be a playmaker in that offense. I could drop him off into Ohio State's offense now. He would be a, a incredible player in that offense. I could drop him off in Alabama. I could drop him off in Notre Dame. Mark. Yeah. The, the key is, is that Bryce Underwood can excel in any offense out there. You want a West Coast Except system? What's Except that? for one. Uh-oh. Michigan? He ain't going to Navy, baby. <laughs> oh, okay. Right? He ain't going to Air Force. He ain't going to Navy. He ain't going to Army. He's I mean, he probably could if option. he wanted to, though. He could probably yeah. could. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's just kind of the thing, yeah. right? 6'3 is a little tall for an option quarterback. A little He's bit. Gonna a little bit. He's going to get his knees. Hey, Will, Will Worth was like 6'2, though. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah Will. but Will Worth was a rocked up. Tanked. Dude, yeah, he was a tank. <laughs> but I say that jokingly, right? Because you're absolutely yeah. right. If he needed to run an air raid, he could run an air raid. If he needed to run an under center, he, he, could, he could do Wisconsin's old offense. He could do Notre Dame's pro-style shotgun offense. He could do Sark's offense. He could do – I mean, he could literally do anything you need him to do. And there aren't a lot of kids that bring – and I feel that way about CJ as well. That's one thing I love about CJ as well is, you know, Dante was a little bit more – had to fit into a certain type of offense. That's why I'm very curious to see how he's going to fit in at UCLA because he's not the runner that Chip no. Kelly's used to having. But – it, it's it's going to be fascinating to see how they all develop. But, but but the thing I like about Bryce too, Ryan, is he shows all the mental and 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 instinctive traits you want. Great timing as a passer, great touch, great accuracy, good decision maker. But he's also got elite 
arm strength, in my opinion, as well. Like borderline elite arm strength. He doesn't have like Nico's arm. It's it's just, but it's it's you know that next level of Nico's arm. I mean, I'm watching him, Ryan, in, in this in in Lion Stadium, and I believe it was a playoff game, a semifinal or championship game, and he fits a 25 yard seam route right over a linebacker, right in front of a safety. And then also in that game, he hits about a 655 or so yard bomb, just hits a guy over the top and try. And he doesn't even like really like whine. He steps into it, but then he just flicks it. He's a kid that's got really special tools. There's no doubt. Yeah. But he's not alone. That's no. the thing. That's what I love about 2025 class. Because you and I were kind of, I don't say arguing, because it wasn't an argument. We were, It was a fun conversation. We were discussing, like kind of going back and forth about, well, I think this guy could be number no, the next guy. I think this guy could be the next guy. I think this guy could be the next guy. My number two on the board is George McIntyre. When I look at George McIntyre, Ryan, he's from Brent. He's big, tall. He's a he's a true pocket passer, in my yeah. opinion. But he can run. He's an athletic kid. You he plays basketball. He's a pretty good basketball player at the high school level. Yeah. So he's not a guy that I want running right now because he's really skinny. But he's another guy that brings some of that Trevor Lawrence type of game to the table. I think the biggest thing that surprised me, Ryan, when I saw McIntyre, I saw a tall, skinny kid. He goes to a private school. You know, you see, you see a guy that shows throws good timing. A guy that is processing information pretty well for a sophomore, like a lot like Underwood. The thing that shocked me the most, Ryan, because of his frame, was how the ball jumps out of his hand. Yeah, I mean, it really explodes out of his hand. Deep ball wise, he gets good zip on it. He's banging comeback, deep comeback routes. This kid's arm talent is special. He's got to fill out that frame a lot. But he, in, in my opinion, has really elite uh, physical tools as well, especially once he fills out, Ryan. Because he's going to be, I mean, he's going to be 215, 220 when it's all said and done. But he's like a buck 75 right now. He's skinny. Yeah. He's long, man. He's long, which it it does it makes complete sense that he's also a standout basketball player, obviously, at Brentwood because he's got a little springiness to him, man. Like, this isn't just a pocket passer, a guy that's kind of stiff in the pocket. Like, he's got a little, he's got light feet to him. He can move around a little bit. But, I mean, more than anything, Brian, I think you hit it on perfectly. He has, you know, of the board for Notre Dame now in 2025, pure arm strength, top two in the class, most likely as far as just pure God-given ability to put velocity on the football. You know, up there with him and Antoine Hill are probably the guys on the board that you're like, that's the easiest velocity of anybody on the class. Because you'd put him ahead of Underwood when it comes to that regard, right? Even ahead of Underwood when it comes to power. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I would. Yeah. I I think that Underwood has a little bit more of, I don't want to say, I mean, he's, I think he's got a little bit more of a natural touch to him, but McIntyre throws a good touch too. So it's not like he's not good at that. Right. It's just, you know, Underwood's just a little bit of a different cat, but I mean, George McIntyre is also the son of Mike McIntyre, who's, you know, been a coach for a long time. And I think that that mental capacity is, is is a good thing, obviously for the quarterback position. He's been around the game for a long time. I know it's very cliche to say like coach's son, blah, 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 but it matters. It does matter. Yeah. Yeah. It matters hundred percent. And especially everything you'd expect. I'm sorry, Ryan, (laughs) I want to lead you into this because I think I know what you're going to say, but like, to me, it's, it's, you said cliche. I would use the word stereotypical. Yeah. Right. He's the stereotypical coach's kid in that he does things mentally naturally right and i think that's something that separates to me uh this class is there's a lot of kids like this in this class that just they get the game at a really high level and i think that's what i love about bryce young and uh, bryce underwood and george mcintyre ryan is the mental part of the game they are elite 
yes. before you even get to the physical tools. And well, that's it, that's something you 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 assume that about McIntyre because he's a coach's kid. Right. Well, I, I think it's a good I think a good a, a good conversation is the stereotype side of it, right? I think that you hit on that because one thing that there's a there's a negative connotation about it though is that when you think of coach's son at quarterback, you would assume that kid doesn't have much tools. He's just smart. And that's not the that's not the case for George McIntyre. If you strip George McIntyre of his upbringing being around the game of football, the kid has legit tools, right? It's just what makes him such an intriguing prospect and the potential to be such a good player on the next level is that you have 6'5 with a bazooka with an arm, natural throw of the football, combined with the fact that he also has that background and the mental capacity of being around the game for a long time. Yeah. That's the separator. You know, That's what separates him between him and, and Antoine Hill, for instance, right? Where it's like Antoine Hill, God-given ability, maybe the best in the class, but he's not as far along developed. He's not as nuanced as a passer right now. George McIntyre is an advanced level passer because of his upbringing. And you combine that with the tools that he has, you have the potential to be very good, obviously, yeah. on the next level. Oh, there's no doubt. I, I, I mean, I've got these kids as we're talking. I got these kids on film. And the thing I, I like about both of them is they can also make plays out of script. I mean, they they can move. And they both run with the first thought of, I'm running to make a play. Now, Underwood has more designed runs in high school. Neither of them have a ton of designed runs. But they're both guys that do a lot in, in the pocket as far as like running around, scrambling, buying time, flipping their hips, getting up all downfield. And uh, they're, they're, I mean, just really dynamic. Yep. Next, Ryan, I want to go down to the state of Alabama for a kid that you think is also in the conversation for the next best quarterback in the class. And that is KJ Lacey, who's from the state of Alabama, obviously. Yep. Now, when I hear of a kid from Alabama, my first thought is, okay, he's probably going to go to Alabama. <laughs> and I don't know if he is or isn't, but the fact is, is Notre Dame offered the kid and he's really talented. Yes. Uh, this is a kid that's, but he's completely different than the other two kids we met. He's six foot. He's like 185. And, you know, Ryan, I, I you had a great comment to me. You said it's really lazy when people like see a six foot black quarterback that and they say, oh, Bryce Young. Right. It's really lazy. But it's like in this instance, it's kind of like comparing a six foot white quarterback to Drew Brees. You know what I mean? It's like just, oh, it's lazy. But man, I'm watching this kid's film like this kid plays the game so much like Bryce Young. And, you know, the other thing about him is. He's he plays the game differently. He's a he's a make plays off script. He's got a lot of Russell Wilson to him, in my yep. opinion. But his he's another guy that I look at and I say, this kid's anticipation and ability to process reads and get the ball out on time and throwing guys open for a sophomore is just something we don't rarely see. And this is now the third kid in a row that we're going to talk about that with, Ryan. They're, the football IQ that these three kids have is, to me, exceptional. Yeah. Exceptional. And that's the thing I love about K.J. Lacey. Because when you first start watching this film, you see I mean, he's throwing sidearm. He's, like, you know, around guys. He's doing stuff like Tyler Buckner did. He's throwing outs. He's running around. He's scrambling around. He, he he's, his, his, like, release point changes, like, every throw. Yep. But then you're watching and you kind of study it a little again and you go through it again and you're like, this kid's timing and anticipation and ability to make reads and quickly get the ball out for a sophomore is outstanding. 
It really I, is. I think Lacey threw like 40 touchdowns and like five interceptions as a sophomore, like some crazy production on his side. But man, I think that there's another assumption that you come to, Brian. When I saw six foot 180, right? You're just like, the kid's probably going to be a nice athlete, right? Maybe not the strongest arm in the world. But then I watched him throw like twice, and I'm like, oh, that kid's arm's live. <laughs> that ball's coming yeah. out with it. That kid is coming out with velocity. And the crazy part is, is that a lot of the, the throws that he gets and really creates velocity, he's kind of falling off his platform a little bit, right? Like he's yeah. falling off his back foot, and he's just uncorking these balls where I'm just like, man, that dude's arm is live. He's an ad-libber. He makes things out of structure really well. But like you said, he's got the timing. He's got the precision. He's got really nice ball placement. And his arm is just really, really good. And although I think that he could be a legitimate run threat, he is a lot like Bryce Young in in the sense that he makes his best plays as an extender as a passer, not as a runner. Like he could be a runner if he felt like it. But he wants to throw the football. He wants According to do that. According to Max Preps, Ryan, he was minus yards rushing last year. I just and like, it makes sense because you, you you watch his film, like there's like almost no runs in there. Exactly. Just, you know, so, there's just there's just like no runs. Exactly. Yeah. And so, like when you when you look at him, you're just like that kid's a good athlete, but mm-hmm. he just he wants to throw the football. Like he is a quarterback that happens to be a good athlete, not a, just an yeah. athlete playing quarterback. Like there's a big yeah. difference there. I'd actually right? like to see him run more. To be yep. honest with you, I mean that's that's something I, I I don't know why he doesn't. I would like to see him. Maybe that's just part of the system. I'd like to see him run more. To be completely yep. honest with you, but he's a dynamic kid. I don't think his ball placement is quite as good as Underwood and McIntyre. That's something for me. Mm-hmm. It's good, but it's not great. Those guys have great ball placement. That and his size are the two things that probably drag him down below them. So I have McIntyre and, and Underwood as five stars. I have KJ as a four and a half star, which is a top fifty player. And I think those two things are, are really what what set me apart. But he's got a really good feel for the game, and his ability to make plays off platform is a lot. Remind, in that regard, Ryan, it reminds me a lot of Dante. In that regard, he he changes his, his arm angles and his launch points as as effectively as well it, as as often as Dante does. I wouldn't say right. quite as effectively because I mean there aren't many guys that I've seen that can put the ball. You know where Dante can put the ball, but he's a really talented thrower. I I don't see how. I'm really curious to see because, like, I know Tommy Reese has offered George McIntyre, and George McIntyre certainly is very much Tommy's cup of tea, right? I'm very curious to see if Tommy Reese what he thinks of KJ Lacey because, like, he's a pocket guy. He just doesn't look yeah. like a pocket guy. He doesn't. Know? He doesn't, but I'm also interested to see if he gets a little bit of the Kenny Minchie maturation, Brian, right? Like maybe he gets an inch taller, he get, you know, gets a little thicker in the base and, you know, cause the one thing about KJ is that KJ is the small guy in this quarterback class on the board for Notre Dame, right? You're talking about a bunch of six, three, six, five guys on the board for Notre Dame. KJ is really the only undersized guy, yeah. which I think does limit as far as what his, high upside is like, I still think he has legit upside, but is his upside as high as a Bryce Underwood, for instance, is as high as a George McIntyre. Probably not just because there's some size limitations, but I think that that kick and ball, man, yeah. like if you end up with KJ Lacey as your quarterback in the 2025 class, you're in good, you're you in a good a spot. <laughs> you're good, yeah. man. You got a dude. There's another Southern kid, Ryan, that we'll talk about. Actually, we skipped a kid. We'll go to him next. I apologize. Cause we were going to go North and work our ways or way down. But we'll stay in the southeast, and that's Deuce Knight. And and I know this is a guy, Ryan, that, that you look at and you see uh six four, 
He's a lot like George McIntyre, 6'4", real skinny, string bing type of guy. Has a frame that looks a lot like Nico uh, in, in a lot of ways, Ryan. And then you pop on the film and you're just like, yet another incredibly talented quarterback in the 2025 class that Notre yeah. Dame offered. And he has a visit set up to Notre Dame already. So he'll April be up 1st. in, was it April 1st? Correct? He'll be yep. up to Notre Dame. So uh, clearly they're in the game for Deuce or because he's he's going to visit. But he he's different, Ryan, in that Deuce is a lot more raw. You yes. can tell he hasn't been coached the way that these other kids have. You had mentioned to me that he uh, came from a program where I think they were like three and seven or three and eight or yeah. something like that. And, and, uh, but man, and, and it, the, he's a lefty, right? Which it, it, for me takes him getting used to. Yes. He's not as shifty as some of the other quarterbacks, but he's a much better straight line runner. Yeah. In my opinion, uh, this is a, a really talented quarterback, right? I think he's got some comparisons coming out of high school. Not as, I mean, I'm not going to compare a kid that's going to be a senior in college to a, a sophomore in high school, but you get some Jane Daniels vibes a little bit from sure. a body type perspective and kind of the athleticism perspective, right? Like Jane could run and he was, I mean, he's still a string bean. So hopefully Deuce fills out a lot more, you know, kind of earlier in his career. But I mean, Deuce Knight, man, I mean, just point blank to it, right? He's 6'4. Strong arm. I usually hate lefties. I usually hate watching yeah. it, but I loved watching Deuce Knight, man, because I think that he is some of the more natural gifts of this quarterback class of guys I've watched in 2025. If he fits with a good developer at the quarterback position, he's got a chance to be really good. Because like you said, Brian, not a lot of talent around him, which causes him to play a little bit of hero ball at oh, times, right? He's hauling yeah. the ball a long time. He's scrambling around because he has to. He's trying to make a play, man. So get him around a good quarterback coach, though, and a good offense coordinator that can really accentuate his strengths. I think he has a chance to be a dynamic dual threat quarterback. Well, and that's why he's not a five star on my board is is what you were talking about. He's very raw. His his arm motion is very – it's a little bit more mechanical from the pocket. When he's his most loose as a thrower is when he's moving around. He throws a really – like he whips it out there. But from the pocket, he's a little mechanical. He just hasn't been coached the way the other kids have been coached at this point in time, Ryan. But and I and I don't think his arm is quite as strong as some of those guys. But it's kind of like we're getting into this debate of which guy with a great arm ranks at the bottom of guys with great arms. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? It's like there, it's there's nobody there's discussion. nobody on this list that does not have at least a very good arm. Very like, good arm. It, yeah, yeah. You know what he reminds me of? He reminds me a lot of a of of a more athletic version of Hendon Hooker coming out of high school. Nothing wrong uh, with that, man. <laughs> Hendon Hooker was also a really tall string bean. Uh, live arm but raw type of guy. Hendon Hooker was like a one ten high hurdler coming out yeah. of high school too. Yeah. Like he was that type of kid. Yeah. yeah. So I, I that's who you know talk about comps. That's who um, obviously you know I could force a lefty comp if you needed me to. But as far as style of play, the only thing that him and Hendon Hooker don't really have in common is right hand versus left hand. I mean, right. He Hendon Hendon was a good runner in high school too. He didn't do a ton of that at Tennessee. Uh, but if he needed to, he could hurt you with his arm, his legs in a big way. He wasn't doing like a ton of design runs, but he could scramble and things like that. Like that, this yeah. kid reminds me a lot of Hendon Hooker. Really. Hendon Hooker ran a lot more at Virginia Tech because that's just kind of how their offense, like that's what they needed him to do because their passing game was just so atrocious, right? Yeah. But I mean, to your point, I think that the comp really stands tall, Brian. And I, I think that, I mean, for me, again, Deuce Knight is a ball of clay. And he is maybe, I mean, he's one of the better deep ball throwers of anybody on the list right now, man. Like that ball, he, if anybody has ever 
thrown javelin or been around javelin just in, from the track and field perspective. There are some javelin throwers that when it hits kind of the, the apex in the air, right, where it's just like that thing sailing, usually dies a little bit, right? And there are some javelin throwers, though, that you hit it there, and there's a little bit of turnover there, right, where it's just it keeps sailing. And that's what I think about Deuce Knight's deep ball, man. He throws some balls where you're like, okay, that ball's dying a little bit, and then it just keeps going. Like, it just keeps going, and it's just – it ain't, and I like the, I do like the hand and hooker comp though, because I think that he would be fantastic in a Josh Heupel yes. type of offense. Like he would yes. be incredible with that vertically oriented type of system because he has a really nice deep ball, man, and he can run. So I really like that kid because he he has all the tools in the world. It's just about you have to have a you have to have a developmental plan for him because he's not going to be day one starter. He's not going to be a guy that's going to come in and be seamless. He's good. His long term is going to outweigh his short term. I mean, depending on development over the next two years, but long term, the kid has all the tools to be really, really good. Yeah. Next, let's talk about Cutter Bowley. He has, certainly has the most interesting name on this board. Him and Deuce Knight have the two best names on this board. Uh, Cutter Bowley's from Kentucky, and another guy that is a, I mean, just a really talented kid. He is fifth on my board, Ryan, right now. Reasons why. Uh, he's he's not nearly as athletic as he's not a stiff by any he's not jack cone as an athlete but he's he's not you know he's not a super mobile he's not a super mobile guy foot feet are a little slower yeah has a little bit of a funky throwing motion which i think can create some ball placement issues at times but his arm is strong he seems to process information relatively well there's a lot of tools to work with uh, with with me ryan he's just not the dynamic uh athlete that some of these other guys are and i think his throwing motion is a little bit windy uppish i guess is the way that i would put it uh, for me but it comes out really well i mean the yeah. ball comes out of his hand really well now he's he's got plus arm strength man like his his arm is in the conversation with some of the better arms on the list it's just i think to your point brian i think that we agreed on this one 100 when we talked about it before he's just he's he's a really good pocket quarterback it's just i don't think that he's going to be a guy that is I don't think he's going to be dynamic outside of structure. Like I don't think you know Not he has enough it to move project as well. Yes. yes, to move in the move inside the pocket, it's good. He can move inside the pocket. It looks you know looks good in that regard. But he's not going to break the pocket and really you know create some big plays consistently on the run. He's not going to be a tremendous runner at the next level. What he is is though in a system that is predicated on staying in the pocket, surveying, getting the football out. That's type of that's his type of style, and he's got plus arm strength, man. Where oh, yeah. like you don't have to just run West Coast stuff and get the ball out quick. Like he can take five, seven step drops, and he can get the ball down the field because he's got good arm strength. So there's a lot of good to be with Cutter Bully. Yeah. I think to your point that you nailed it perfectly. In the pocket's really good, strong arm. It's just he's not quite the dynamic elements that right. some of the again, other quarterbacks have. We're had. splitting hairs here, guys. We yeah. view him as a top hundred player, right? Like that's the thing about Cutter Bully. He's a top hundred player in my opinion. It's just when you're talking about five really talented kids, you've got to separate it somehow. Uh, but the 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 live arm part, Ryan, because to me, I, I think he can I think he can make plays off uh, out of structure a little bit as a as a pocket guy, meaning like he can make a guy miss, step into the pocket, and just unload a bullet. You know, he can he can climb the pocket and really deliver some stuff. He's just not gonna be the kind of scrambler and the kind of mover arounder that some of these other guys are. I'm just making up words today, but you know, the thing w I like about windy, windy uppy and mover yeah, windy arounder, uppy, you know, um, 
that's what you got to do, man. But he's a tough kid, though. If you watch yeah. his high school film, his offensive line is not very good. He's throwing with guys in his face a lot, and he's got yeah. some cojones in the pocket. I'll give him that. And and again, we're talking about a sophomore. You know, his athleticism and could jump up a bit over the next couple of years as well. And he's already 6'5", 205 pounds or so. Like, he's going to be 230 pounds. Yeah. Like, he's, he's going to be a big kid, a big pocket quarterback. I saw him at Irish Invasion last year, a really funky delivery that I think he's I think he's altered it because at the Invasion, he was, like, dropping, like, down here throwing. Like, it was really – I didn't like it at all. He was a little bit more up as a sophomore. It, the, he brought the arm up a lot more as a sophomore, so I was happy to see that. Yeah. But he, he's a talented kid as well, Ryan. This is a really, really good group of quarterbacks. Again, we're we're having to find flaws in kids that we all that we we I think we both agree that they're all five top one hundred players, in my opinion. I mean, yep. it's it's a really loaded group. And so he's obviously there's some interest there for him. He's a kid that's been to Irish Invasion. He's been on Notre Dame's campus. So that's another kid that I think Notre Dame has a shot with. I don't know where they stand with George McIntyre. I have no idea. I know that they've had success at Brentwood Academy, and obviously they've had more recent success in the state of Tennessee. I don't know where they stand with KJ Lacey at this point in time. Deuce Knight's coming on on campus in April, so that's obviously a really good sign. Cutter Bully has been on campus before; that's a really good sign. And and obviously Bryce Young Underwood is a guy that likes Notre Dame. I just don't think Notre Dame is ever going to kind of get to the point where they're able to. Like CJ Carr loved Notre Dame like from day one. Like he just he had a thing for Notre Dame from day one. Dante loved Notre Dame from day one. I think Bryce Underwood likes Notre Dame. I just don't think sure. he views Notre Dame as like some of the other schools on his list, in my opinion. So, but That's fair. They're they're in it with those three that I know of. But as we said, Ryan, it's a it's a loaded loaded quarterback class. You know what else is loaded in the twenty five class, Ryan? What's the state of Illinois. The state of Illinois is absolutely – we're going to talk about five kids from Illinois, Ryan, and if Notre Dame signed all five of them, I'd be like, all right, let's go. I don't think it's going to be practical to sign all five, which we'll get into because there's some positional like consistency there where there's like a, several guys in the same position. But, look, 24, there's some Illinois kids they have to get. They have to get Justin Scott. There's a couple kids like that they have to get. 25 – is even bigger for Notre Dame and state of Illinois. They've got to get at least at least three, if not four, of the five kids we're going to talk about. And we'll get to the defensive side of the ball first. But it is not often that there is a dynamic receiver from you know northern kid that's athletic, that can run, that can make plays after the catch, uh, that can do all those things, Ryan, and is from – kind of not only say Notre Dame's backyard because it's a little west of Chicago, but it's basically west of Chicago. It's two hours away from in yeah. Geneva, Illinois. This is a kid that to me, it's so early to be talking about must gets, but Taylor Taylor to me is a must. There's two kids from Illinois for sure. Flat out, hands down, no doubt about it are must gets in the 25 class, which should tell you how good they are that we're yeah. talking about a 25 kid being a must to get. But Taylor Taylor to me, Ryan is, you just don't get this. You normally have to go down to Florida or Georgia or Texas or California to, to get it, to get a kid like Taylor Taylor. And he's from two hours away. I mean, this is a big time football player, in my opinion. I think the first time you talked about him, you said he reminds you of the two Ohio State kids, like a little bit of a combination of Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Yeah. 
And obviously, when you hear that, you're like, oh, man, that's, that's high praise, obviously, right? <laughs> like That's two really good football players. Both went in the first round, top 11 picks in the 2022 NFL draft, and both had 1,000 yards as rookies. But then you watch Taylor Taylor, and you're like, that's a kid that usually goes to Ohio State. That is, man. Like, he is six foot, 170 pounds, right around right now. Only a sophomore in high school, so he'll get bigger, obviously. But the first couple of plays, Brian, I'm watching him like, that kid is smooth, man. Like, gets in and out of breaks, really advanced route runner for his age. But then there's a play, I think it's like the third or fourth play on his highlight, where he catches something over the middle, and he breaks angles, man. And he shows off the speed, and you're like, oh, he's not just a route runner. He's not just smooth. That kid's got some juice, too. And when you put all those things together, I'm like, that's what made Garrett Wilson so special, in my opinion, right? It was like Garrett Wilson could run routes, smooth player, but then he had legitimate like high four three, low four four speed, right? So you're just like that kid can do it all. That kid could be a multi level threat. Taylor Taylor has that same feel that like if he wasn't quite as fast as he is, he could still be a really good college player because the the route runner that he is, the yes. ability to get in and out of breaks. But then you add in the fact that he's got long speed as well. That kid's a multi level threat. He can affect short, intermediate, deep. He can create big plays after the catch. He's got kind of that all-around profile that Ohio State's had at wide receiver over the last couple of years. I'll give you this. His floor is TJ Jones. Similar body type, similar athleticism, right? CJ wasn't quite the dynamic player, right? His ceiling is Garrett Wilson to me. I mean, that that's who this kid could be. And and again, that's very high price for a sophomore. We got to see how yeah. he's going to project and how he's going to grow in the next couple of years. But this is a really talented kid, Ryan. And you've talked to him, and, and there's legitimate yep. interest in Notre Dame with Taylor Taylor. Like, this is a kid that Chance C. Sucky is like, Coach, th- there, there is no more important receiver on your board in either the 24 or 25 classes, in my view, than that kid. I really believe that. Because you've already got Cam Williams, right? I mean, Cam's already signed, right? So you've already got that one Illinois player. If you can give me Cam Williams and Taylor Taylor back-to-back years in the state of Illinois, that's huge for Notre Dame. And this is why it's so important. And Sean Davis has talked a lot about this. Illinois is getting back, is climbing back up when it comes to producing more big time football players and not just running backs and linemen and guys like that. Mm-hmm. You're seeing more and more skill players. We had the, the, the kid a couple of years ago that Notre Dame was looking at whose name right now is completely spake is Caleb Brown, Caleb Brown. That, that I loved a couple of years ago that went to Ohio state. You know, you're starting to see more kids like that where they're now starting to put more athletes out there. A.J. Henning, who went to Michigan, hasn't quite panned out, but a very dynamic player. He's had some injuries, but you're starting to see that. And if Illinois can start consistently producing top 50 national players at wide receiver and Notre Dame can get them, that's huge. You got one and Cam Williams is on board. That was a yep. huge pickup. Now it's Taylor Taylor. And so again, I and I know that's a bold statement, Ryan, but it's it's not just that he's necessarily the best player out there. I mean, Ryan Wingo's a stud, and there's some other guys, but it's the notion of you have got to figure out a way to make Chicago once again your state. Meaning Georgia can get a kid if you, we don't want them. That's how it sure. needs to be for Notre Dame, right? Michigan right. can get a kid if we don't want them. That's what Notre Dame staff needs to create. And that's why it's so important to get that because Michigan's been kicking their butt in Illinois. Ohio State's been kicking their butt in Illinois for these type of athletes. That can't happen. You've got to make Illinois basically your home base, in my opinion. And this is an example where if you can win this battle, it completely, and, and along with Cam Williams back-to-back, completely changes the your 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 fortunes 
when it comes to recruiting those big time players from the state of Illinois. And you have to, so, I mean, there's two parts to that conversation. One, you have to identify those players, right? And then two, you got to close on those players. You mentioned Cam Williams, Brian. We both liked Cam Williams after his sophomore year, but junior year Cam Williams was like, oh, buddy, that's a top 50 football player now. Like, we're, we're moving. We're cooking with grease now. Like, I thought we got, I thought Notre Dame got a good football player when he committed, but now I'm looking at him like, that kid is a legit maybe five-star player if he takes another step as a senior. Like, he's that type of profile, in my opinion. But they, they identified him early. They identified him yes. early. Justin Scott, they didn't identify early. They didn't identify that one as well. So this needs to be a more consistent approach over the next couple of years in Chicago and just generally in Illinois in your home base that you need to look identify those kids early and then you need to close on them. Because the one thing that Illinois kids know, they know what Notre Dame, man. They know what yeah. Notre Dame is. They know the brand. You don't have to go out to California and convince people what Notre Dame is, right? You can stay in Illinois and say like, hey, man, I go, I'm from Notre Dame. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, I know all about Notre Dame. I've been around them the entire life. I know that brand, right? Like you don't have to convince the people of what the brand – how much the brand extends in the, in the state of Illinois. So when there are players in that home base that you want, that you identify, and that makes sense, you have to get them. There's zero excuses. If Taylor Taylor's a guy that Notre Dame identifies and says that's our dude – you got to be able to close on a guy like a Taylor Taylor because that is that that just there's just no excuse for letting those those types of players leave the leave the locate leave the area. You talked about Cam Williams and how they got on him early. This is why it mattered when they first got on Cam Williams. Michigan was his favorite school because Michigan had been recruiting kids like him from the state and and from the area. And then obviously Ann Arbor's not that far away from Chicago either. It's a little further than Notre Dame, but it's not that far much further away. If you are slow if you slow play Cam Williams as you let the Nash cuz this is the issue they have at right. They've let they they try to like let the national board kind of grow before they move on local kids. And that's a mistake. And that's the mistake they made with Justin Scott, which it should have been obvious day one, you go make a move on that kid. With with Cam Williams, Chancey Stuckey and Tommy Reese and Chad Bowden, that trio said, okay, this is a kid that we need to push for. They saw the upside. They saw the potential. They saw a skinny kid who's going to get more explosive as he gets older. Had they waited three – if they had waited until his, his junior year was done, he'd be entrenched at Michigan by then because you allow that Michigan relationship to grow and get stronger and stronger and stronger during the months in which you slow played him. They were smart to get on him early, and they identified the potential early, and that's why they were so e- e- so easily able to overcome Michigan and get his commitment. The mistake they've made in the past is they way too slow getting on a lot of these kids in Chicago. I like the fact that this staff is not doing that, and they're going after these kids hard now. They, you know, again with Justin Scott, they did not, but. It, you know, we'll see what they do with the 25 defensive linemen. But in Taylor Taylor's case, they got on him early and it, it mattered because this is a dude, Ryan. Right. It is an absolute dude. The other thing that Notre Dame needs to can be a championship caliber team is impact defensive linemen. There's an impact defensive lineman in 2024 from Chicago. We know about him named Justin Scott. However, yeah. Justin Scott was not the defensive player of the year in his league, as Sean Davis has pointed out to us. The defensive player of the year in that league, according to Sean, was Nathaniel Marshall, who is a 2025 defensive end from Fenwick, which is a private school, another private school kid. 
Ryan, if you think his football highlights are impressive, go watch him play basketball. <laughs> this is a freaky kid. He's what, 6'4", probably like around 250. He looks to be 250, yeah. big end type. That is an absolute stud defensive line, Ryan. I mean, he is a right now a top 50 kid right now that's going to be pushing for five-star status when it's all said and done. And he's, again, private school kid from Chicago. Again, must get player. For, for people that follow recruiting closely and they flash back real quick to the 2023 class for Notre Dame, one guy that Notre Dame was very high on but did not get a commitment from was Jason Moore out of DeMatha Catholic that's, that's going to Ohio State. Nathaniel Marshall reminds me a lot of Jason Moore, man. Like this, this is that kid that is your prototype strong side defensive end that can impact the passing game and not just be a guy that, you know, he can do all the dirty work, right? He's a big physical kid with long arms. He can lock out, can gain extension, set the edge, be, you know, work through traffic. He can do all that type of stuff, right? But the explosiveness this kid has at already six foot four, already around 250 pounds. This kid's going to be 275, 280 pounds relatively early in his college career. And hopefully it's with Notre Dame, you know, but he is explosive. He's powerful. He's strong. He's, he has all the tools to be a dynamic difference maker at strong side defensive ends. And again, an Illinois kid, if Notre Dame wants Nathaniel Marshall, which I think they probably do, they need to be able to make a move with him and they need to close on him because there's no excuse to let that type of kid who let's call it what it is. He looks like he should be playing SEC football, right? Like, yes. can you imagine him just playing at Georgia or Alabama or like one of those kids? You need to be able to close on that type of kid. Don't let him go anywhere, but stay at home in the home base where at Notre Dame, because he's that type of special athlete in my opinion. Yeah. Ryan, the, the, the interesting thing is only one of the services has even ranked this kid and it's rivals who has him as a three-star and the number nine kid in the state of Illinois. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Yeah. This guy is a straight up dude. In my opinion, there's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. He's the best player I've seen from the, the best defensive lineman I've seen from the state of Illinois. And that includes the Epinesa kid who is a good player, but not, not as good as Nathaniel Marshall in my opinion. No. Absolutely. No. He's an incredibly talented kid. Now, the key is going to be get him on campus this spring. You've got to get him on campus this spring. No doubt about it. There's another kid from Illinois, from Chicago, uh, and that is Christopher Burgess from Simeon. Now, he's a public school kid, right? I believe Simeon's a public school. I, I, I'd have to – I'd have to. Uh, Sean would know. See, this is, this is why I should have talked to Sean about that beforehand. Uh, actually, no, Simeon is a uh, – it is a four – public four-year vocational. So it's a vocational school, but it is a public school. So it's a little bit of a different type of deal. Ryan, I, I liked him when I first saw him play, and we'll get into why, but you gave me a little nugget that makes me like him even more, which makes yeah. him a very intriguing prospect. Yeah, the, the, apparently this past year was his first year ever playing football. He was an AAU basketball player, and I, when I spoke to him, Brian, he told me, because I was talking about his film, I was like, oh, man, you know, a lot of great stuff on that film, you know, a lot of upside, obviously. And he's like, oh, I appreciate you saying that. I'm going to be a whole lot better next year, though, because that was my first year playing football. I'm like, oh, oh, that's that's interesting, man. Yeah. 
So when you add that little context, you're like, oh, that kid doesn't even know what he's doing yet. And that's what's on film right now, right? It's like the hand usage is inconsistent. He doesn't really understand what his aiming points are. But that kid is long. That kid is explosive. That kid is upside. And the fact that he's only played one year of high school football, that is a huge indicator that the best is definitely down the road for a player like him. I mean, the first thing that I said to you, Ryan, I said, look, I know, I know, I don't know what kind of player Christopher Burgess is going to be because he's so raw. Yeah. But I do know this. He's the first kid I'm having to get off the bus. <laughs> he, I mean, he looks like a bodybuilder. I mean, for a he's, sophomore he's a, in high school. I don't want to make this a weird conversation, but like you, you go on his profile on Twitter, he's got a six pack playing defensive end. Like, I mean, that's where we are, right? Like, that's kind of, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, he, he is a really built up kid. The thing about him is he you said he doesn't know what he's doing. He's making yep. plays, and you're like, that was one of the worst technical plays I've ever seen. But he's just unblockable in those instances. Yep. Plays really high, doesn't understand pad level, doesn't really know how to use his hands. And so you're like, yeah, he's a big ball of clay. He's even more of a ball of clay than when you talk about Deuce Knight. But it's just like, man, you, know, like, you think this kid – has how does he not learn that stuff by now? Then you find out this is a first year playing football and it makes sense. Yes. And so you say we get him another year of coaching at, at Simeon and and you know maybe do some camps this summer and you're talking about a kid that's going to explode next year. Yep. So when I saw that run I was like okay, I went from I like him but I'm not sure about him yet to take him. I mean take <laughs> him. If this is his first year playing football, take him. Because he's got some, he's got a burst off the line. You know, it, you don't always see it. Because again, I don't, I don't think he necessarily knows what he's doing yet. But when he stays low and comes off that line, right, he is really impactful. So raw player, projectable yeah. guy, but a kid that's got a ton, a ton of talent, in my opinion. Another kid that I think has a very legit. A projection as a strong side defensive end. Like I get some Bubakar Traore vibes with him a little bit, Brian. It's like explosive, powerful. Just again, Christopher Burgess has not been playing football very long. So like you'll watch him on film and you'll be like, he's on the front side of like an outside zone play. And like, you're like, why are your hands going to that aiming point? Like, why, why are you going there? But then he makes the play because he's just so strong and explosive. And it's like, you can't teach that stuff, right? I can teach him where to put his hands. I can teach him how to get off blocks more efficiently. I can teach those things, but I can't teach him to be 6'4", 240 plus pounds, built well, long arms, explosive. Like I can't teach that, man. You either have that or you don't. So that gets me super excited. If I'm a defensive line coach, I'm like, give me Christopher Burgess and let me just evolve him into not a good football player, but a great football player. I think he has very high potential and very high upside but again, it's one of those situations where, you know, he's not a finished product. You're taking, I don't call it a gamble because he's a sophomore in high school, but like there's projection that needs to happen here because he hasn't been playing football very long. There's another defensive end from the state that I, I'm, I'm, he's an interesting player. That's Gabe Kaminsky. Let's just dive into Gabe Kaminsky from uh, Nazareth Academy, which is the alma mater of Julian Love. Ryan, he's a guy like like Christopher Burgess does things within five, six snaps or just like pop off at you, right? <laughs> Nathaniel yeah. Marshall's like one of those guys. You watch two, three clips and you're like, oh, this is going to be fun. Gabe Kaminsky's a little different guy for me. And I'm just still not sure what he's going to be. There's some things I see that I like. There's some things that I'm like, okay, how good is he there? But then I got to remind myself, this is a sophomore. 
Yep. This is a kid who's 6'3", 215, sophomore. Those other two guys are powerful and smooth. I mean, you know, powerful and explosive. Gabe's a little bit more kind of smooth and fluid than yep. those guys are, right? So so that means he's not going to just jump out at you. But then you watch him play, and you're like, man, this kid makes a lot of plays for a guy that doesn't blow me away on film. You know what I mean? So I'm he's another guy that I'm very curious to see how he develops over the next couple of years. Probably – more of a viper right now that maybe could grow into a big end because he, he does have a frame with something to work on. But he 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 didn't really catch my attention immediately like the other guys did. But the more you watch this film, you're like, man, this is a good this kid's a good football player, in my view. We call those types of players in the scouting world slow burn process prospects yeah. because it's not like an immediate jumping off the screen, right? You're like, oh, he kind of stacks plays where you're like, oh man, that hand use is just pretty good there. Working in pursuits pretty good. Like everything just kind of there's a lot of boxes that I think Gabe Kaminsky checks, but maybe he's not elite in any one era area, right? So like he doesn't really like get your attention right off the bat. But one thing I like about him, Brian, is that despite only being a sophomore and being 6'3, 215 pounds right now, his hand usage is really nice, man. Like he knows how to get off blocks, he uses his hands well at the top of the track. He's able to bend the outside track a little bit. You know, there's decent hip flexion there. And then he's he's a true viper right now, like you said, like an outside track type of dude because he's got that hand usage at the top of the arc. But th- that stuff is very advanced for his age, you know, only being a sophomore in high school. I'm very interested to see him grow over the next couple of years to your point, right? Does he grow another inch? Does he add 30 pounds? Does he put on good weight? Does he become a little bit more explosive? If he does, then we're, then we're cooking a little bit, right? Because he's got advanced hand usage and all that stuff for his age already. If he develops physically and he maintains, obviously, that technical prowess that he has at such a young age, then we're talking about a – you know, I think he's a good football player, but, like, we're talking about then where he might explode on the recruiting trail because there yeah. is still room to grow. It's just about the development because I think yeah. we forget sometimes that this kid's probably 15 years old right yeah. now, right? Right. <laughs> like, because I'm so used to not, I'm, I don't, I don't often watch sophomore films. So it's taken me a little, some time, sometimes to get used to be like, this kid's just a sophomore. This kid still has two whole years of high school football left. Yep. And then when you think about that and you put it in a little bit better context, you're like, okay, this kid's got some stuff to work with. You know, there's some tools to work with there. And, and that's what can be challenging about looking at sophomores, right? It's not every kid's just going to explode off the screen, like Taylor Taylor, like George McIntyre, like Bryce Underwood, like Nathaniel Marshall. And so you've got to, you've got to, okay, how you, it, there's a lot more projection involved with this yes. one. I'm curious to see if they're able to get him on campus this spring. I know he's been on campus before. I believe he made at least one game visit this past year. I believe, Ryan, didn't we have him on one of the visitor lists for a game? I, I will double check. I believe, I believe we did. So, so um, he's, he's an interesting, he's an interesting kid as well. Fifth defensive player. We're going to talk about the fifth guy or the fifth player, the fourth defensive player that we're going to talk about of the five Illinois kids that got offers, Ryan, because it you said we're talking about the five that got offers. There's other talented kids in the state of Illinois that haven't got offers yet. It's a really good st- year in the state of Illinois. And that's Dominic Hulak, who is uh, a linebacker right now, Ryan, yeah. 6'3", 225. It, he's at the bottom of the list of the guys that we talked about from a talent standpoint, but there's some stuff to like about him as well. Another, He's from Elmhurst, which is, again, outside of Chicago. He's a Catholic school kid. 63225 you know has some Bo Bauer to his game you know not the not the greatest change of direction guy but a really good downhill player he's a thumper maybe he could be a, a, a two down mike maybe he could grow into a viper at some time or maybe as he gets older Ryan he gets more explosive and, and a little bit more flexible and can stay at, at mike 
he's also a guy that plays tight end at, at yeah. that level. I don't know if he's a tight end at a place like Notre Dame, but he, he brings some similar positional versatility that a guy like Preston Zinter brought to the table. He's just, to me, not the athlete that Preston Zinter is, in my opinion, okay. at least not yet. I never watched Preston's sophomore film. I'm just going off junior film. He's not the athlete uh, Preston is, but, man, you love the size and power that this kid brings to the table. He's a physical kid, man. Downhill, explosive in short areas. I mean, like you said, Brian, though, he's a, I mean, 6'3", 225? That'd be really good as a senior in high school. You know, like that's that's a big kid. And I, I think that, you know, some of those heights and weights are a little bit, a little fudged at times, right? But I think that 6'3", 225 is like pretty legitimate. Like maybe he's not quite 6'3", but he's probably at least 6'2", and 220 pounds at this point at his age, which is, it's a big linebacker, man. I think ultimately he might outgrow middle linebacker because again, I mean, is he going to grow another inch? Is he going to gain another 20, 25 pounds? I think that that stuff is possible, but he's a downhill player. I think he's physical. I think he's pretty instinctive too, which is nice to see. but I agree. I, I don't think that he's quite, you know, as far as like change of direction, short area quickness, the most cat quick hit of all time, but another very interesting football player because he is physically pretty advanced for a sophomore in high school. And yeah. he's got a lot of, he's got a lot of those physical traits where you look at it and you go, you know, if he maintains that weight, gets a little more explosive at worst, he's a role player potentially at the next level If and also maybe a great special teamer, if nothing else, right? Like he has that type of profile, but a very interesting player is only a sophomore, obviously. So that's the five that got offers from Illinois on the pot of gold day. I expect there to be some more offers to, from in Illinois over time. I'm curious to see. There's a couple guys that didn't get offered. Uh, AJ Epinesa's little brother, uh, Jalen Williams is a really highly ranked kid, 6'6", 280 pound defensive tackle from the state. So I don't, I don't quite know why those guys didn't get offers. I'm sure there's reasons why. Uh, hopefully there's reasons why. If they just kind of overlooked those guys like they overlooked uh, Justin Scott, that'd be problematic. But I have to think. Ryan, that they that they are aware of them because the one thing we notice about the pot of gold day, uh, you and I, I created a list, and on one side of the list was the offensive players, and the other side of the list was the defensive players, and the list of defensive guys was a whole lot. There was more defensive linemen and linebackers alone yeah. that got offered than in offense on the entire side. So the the offensive staff is being a lot more selective yes. right now, uh, really going after high value, high caliber kids. The defensive staff seems to just be throwing a million offers out to 24 and 25 kids. Which is really interesting that it seems to be two different strategies on one staff, right? Like, isn't that really interesting when you think about it? I mean, there was only – and, again, I don't think that's a perfect example because Joe Rudolph has just gotten here recently, right? So, like, building a board takes time. But they only have two offensive line offers right right now. They have a plethora of defensive line offers. They have 21 scholarship offers out to linebackers from the pot of gold. Like to your point, man, two very different strategies on this staff for the pot of gold, anyway. Yeah. How many, how many, uh how many linemen did or uh, linebackers did you say had been offered 21. so far? I think it was 21 on the list. Yeah. yeah. And I and I think I think that uh defensive line is actually let me let me look it up here. It'll it's be close. To, yeah. It's uh 17. So you're talking 17. about 38. 38 guys the entire offensive there's only 29 total guys on offense yeah that were offered on the pot of gold push 
So you're you're seeing a a, a big pitch. Peyton Joseph, I don't believe, got an offer on the pot of gold. He he had the one other, previously, but he correct. did not get offered during that. No. Correct. The kid that the other kid that got offered the pot of gold is Avery Gack. And uh, he is a good player, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> He's yeah. a good oh, player. Yeah. Another Michigan kid. Again, man, I'll tell you what, Ryan. Here's something that I noticed. A couple observations that make me really fired up about how the how good the 2025 class can be. Thank you. Yep. Illinois, Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New Jersey. Some really, really talented players uh, on that board for Notre Dame to look at. So I'm really fired up to see that because you need that for Notre Dame. to. People say, well, can Notre Dame ever have a number one class? If there's a year where the North is loaded with highly ranked kids, then yes, that's the only chance they have. And you just don't often see. But, but uh, take away the ranking part. There's some flat-out dudes from the north. We talked about Anthony Sacka the other day. Yep. There's Christian Jones from Nebraska. That guy run, doesn't run like most Nebraska linebackers, right? That There's some flat-out dudes on the board from pro-Notre Dame areas. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point, man. I think that, you know, even – it, I mean, you're 100% right. We just went through all these Illinois players, obviously. You talk about a, a – a Bryce Underwood is obviously a Michigan guy. Pennsylvania is another one, Brian, this year. We're like, Pennsylvania's got some dudes right. now, man, especially in the Philadelphia area, like Saka. I know the one defensive lineman that was offered from Notre Dame is a Philadelphia guy as well. I think he's a St. Joe prep guy. Oh, like, this, Was that Zaheer Mathis? That is Zaheer Mathis, yeah. So Zaheer yeah. Mathis is a, is, a Pennsylvania, is a Philadelphia kid. So is Anthony Saka. Uh, well, I think technically it's an outskirter. But anyway, he is Philadelphia. Pennsylvania, Illinois. The Midwest has some dudes as well. I mean, you mentioned Nebraska, obviously, with Christian Jones. Christian Jones is pretty dang good football player, man. There are some really, really good talent up north, it seems like, in the top t- in 2025. And in a lot more, like, we talked about Tennessee a little bit, right? That's an area that Notre Dame needs to hit a little bit more in, right? The Carolinas are a spot that they need to hit a little bit more in. There's some dudes And in they're the actually Carolinas starting to have some success in the Carolinas, no question yes. about it. Maryland, yeah. D.C. area is an, an area they have to start having more success with. It also appears to be a pretty good year. They offered a lot of kids from that area. So yep. a lot of kids sort of at the, the Mason-Dixon line border, right around, right above and, and below it, and, and then definitely above, and that's – that's a recipe for success for Notre Dame, in my opinion. And the interesting thing, Ryan, is, you know, we, we've talked a lot about how important it is for Notre Dame to recruit the state of Missouri. Yep. And that was a state that I don't remember seeing any kids from in the pot of gold thing. So I'm curious to kind of where they are with that. Maybe it's just not as good of a year in Missouri uh, yeah. as it has been in recent years. But a lot, a lot of offers going out three. So no one from Indiana yet. So there's a. Like, a lot of like, a lot of Texas kids, like usual, as you would expect. Yeah. <laughs> the the thing about like recruiting at Bama and Clemson, and I and I went through and I broke this down one time, and I think one of Clemson's championship teams, I think it was like eighty percent of their roster was from South Carolina, a state that borders South Carolina, or a state that borders a state that borders South Carolina. Meaning, you don't have to go very far to get like eighty percent of your roster. Right. Notre Dame usually can't afford to do that. The interesting thing about this year, Ryan, is is there's and this is kind of why um, that you're starting to see them start putting more emphasis on the state on on like like Missouri, for example. But if Notre Dame could get to the point where they could build a, a majority of their class 
from either states that border them or states that border a state that border them. So what does that mean for Notre Dame? It means Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, Missouri, uh, Tennessee, Kentucky, Virginia or West Virginia, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. Like those are all states that border Notre Dame or border a state that Notre Dame. And Virginia is just one state over. It borders West Virginia, which borders Ohio. And so that's the thing is if Notre Dame can just really start to hit home runs in that region, states that border you and states that border a state that borders you. And, and, but the reality is, is it, you can't do that if there aren't players from those states right. that are, that are Notre Dame caliber kids. And Minnesota's in there too, but Minnesota just doesn't produce those kind of players yet. And they're not producing it right now. But there's some kids from Minnesota. Joalt, obviously, is from Minnesota. Michael Floyd is from Minnesota, but they're just not producing it like, like the other states are. Yeah. But the reality is, is that's unique about 24 and, and what we're seeing in 25 is there's a lot more northernish kids that are in those states that we discussed that Notre Dame should be going after and getting. And to a degree, they are. CJ Carr is one. Yep. Cam Williams is one, right? Peter I Jones. mean, so Peter yeah. Jones is one. So we're starting to see more and more of that success. And then again, okay, so then we say, okay, well, those those are the states, but then you kind of get into um, the, okay, but then the states that border those states. And, and again, same thing, New Jersey. You add New Jersey into that conversation, and they've got a kid from New Jersey. So you, you look at it, the, the, the base states, which are the borders and those that border, and then can you branch out? So right now, if you look at Notre Dame's eight-man class, which is right now, I believe, Ryan, still a top five class in, in 2025, I believe. Let me just – yeah. Yeah, Rivals has it number three. Yep. So we'll just – we'll go with that. Rivals has it number three. And you look at it and you got Peter Jones, Carson Hobbs, uh, Aeneas Williams, C.J. Card, and Cam Williams. Five of their eight are from border states or states that border a border state. Right. That's huge. That's huge. And the great thing about the 25 class, Ryan, it looks like it's going to continue that, especially in Illinois. And yeah. so that's something to get you pretty pretty fired up about their chances of really stocking the roster up the next two years. And it does not look like a very strong year in Indiana, but to your point, Brian, the the neighboring states outside of Indiana do seem incredible. I mean, there's even a couple of guys in Ohio this year where like they seem pretty pro Notre Dame early on. Like Dorian Brew is a guy that speaks very highly of Notre Dame right now, and you know, so even some Ohio kids I think could be in the conversation. Michigan, we mentioned Andrew Gack or Gotch, however you pronounce his last name, who's a dude at offensive tackle. Mentioned Pennsylvania. You mentioned, you know, there's there is some talent to work with here, man. Missouri is it doesn't look like it's the highest that you know that it has been over the last couple of years, but still, so there's some there's definitely a lot of ballers in the 2025 class up north, which will definitely help, obviously, for Notre Dame's mission. Because I mean, Brian, if if you could recruit a large base of players there in a strong year, and then you go down once or twice to Texas, once to California. Wants to somewhere else in the Midwest, maybe a little bit more out of reach. Maybe you go to Oklahoma. There's a couple of Oklahoma kids that were offered on Friday as well. Like maybe you go touch touching Oklahoma or somebody somewhere like that. But to your point, in order for Notre Dame to contend for that number one recruiting uh, slot, if that ever does happen, it has to be a year that it looks especially strong in the in the North. And this year, 2025, does kind of look like it might be that case. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. 
So that wraps up the recruiting portion, Ryan. Before we move on to the team stuff, please, folks, do us a favor. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. Make sure you've signed up for the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com.